Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 6th, 2010. Now as always, to get it over and done with, I tell the people at the beginning of the show to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and bookmark all the official sites you'll see listed on that front page. If you have troubles with download sticking or any problems, try these alternate sites. So many folk go into the com site at the same time, generally the day after the, the show, uh, that they tend to jam it up a bit. Now remember, they all have transcripts too, a lot of transcripts in English of the shows I've done, along with the audios. And uh, if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu. you see that listed on the front page as well. And you can take your choice of the various languages of Europe. And remember too, while you're at it, that I'm probably the only host out here who does not make a living uh, by advertisers. I've had the offers, of course. You always get offers coming in all the time. Because um, if you promote the products, then you get a, a darn good uh, hefty fee for doing so. But then again, you're kind of tied to what you can say, what you can't say on certain things. And this way, uh, with you helping me get by, just about get by, with donations and buying the books I sell, uh, then I don't have to take the advertisers. The advertisers you hear in this show are pay their money directly to RBN for the airtime. Uh, that helps pay their bills and their staff, their equipment, the board ops, and the transmission, of course, as well. So it's up to you to help me out. So purchase the books. They're different from any of the other books you'll get out there. I don't go into um, the usual dates and times and generals of history. I show you the cons of history and the cons that work to control millions. And, and now today is billions of people the world over. We're living in a world society. We've been global for an awful long time. The only reason they don't tell you you're global is because they still want you to join armies and go off and fight and finish off the last few countries to bring them under their central banking, global banking, world banking system. So buy the books now. Hopefully that will keep me, keep me ticking over. Remember from the US to Canada, you can purchase them by a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from your post office, or you can send cash or order by PayPal. You see a donation button there, just send the donation, then a separate email with your name, address, and your order, and I'll get it out to you. Across the rest of the world, it's the same idea. You can send cash, Western Union, which is kind of hefty, mind you, uh, MoneyGram, which is a bit cheaper, uh, or PayPal for donating or to purchase. It's all up to you. But you have to understand the tricks and the cons that are played on our minds all down through the ages. And believe you me, mind control over masses of people is far easier than over an individual. And this is something they've always known because we are a social creature and we are spiritual in a sense. We're always looking for something beyond all that is. And therefore they supply it for us and keep us 
subjugated under, of course, an elite who's always closer to the deity than anyone else. Today is a scientific dictatorship we're into, where the sciences serve their masters, who are the money men, uh, all under the Darwinian theories of survival of the fittest. They prove they're the fittest by simply being up there where they are. Everybody down below, of course, uh, have failed the grade. And you're the junk genes that, according to the theory, must die off. You can't bring the old type into the new for the next evolution. That's a, that's a particular um, must-be in Darwinism. You can't bring the old type along. It'll pull the new type down. So we're simply being taken down gradually as we, as I say, we standardize the world for the masters. We still accept this thing called money to build on their shelters. They'll go on into infinity across the world or underground shelters. We still bring in the food that's being stored forever for them too to make sure they and their offspring can keep going on for a few centuries after we're all gone. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and what a matrix it is, isn't it? You get through one room and only to find out you've got, you've got another room to go and there's probably one above you and so on. It's compartmentalized really this whole system in which we live and right up to prime ministers and presidents, they don't even know the half of it themselves. In fact, they're chosen because they have the ability not to ask questions from their masters, especially to do with central banking and stuff like that. And You'll find, too, with the scientific elite to help, uh, most of them just simply cash in on what they see as a good thing. Uh, they think they'll be uh, the ones who are also special. They're special people. They're more evolved. They'll come through as well, obviously. Their masters will make sure of that. And that's what they, how they all believe. Down below, of course, the enforcers, the soldiers and the, the troops, um, uh, the policemen, who, who, well, the police have all been militarized now anyway, um, they're really given so many drugs and different things today. They, they don't know what to think. They're just machines, basically. And that's how they've been made to be, is just uh, kind of brutal machines, scary machines, so that the public during this Orwellian phase of the agenda uh, simply are terrified of them and obey them. That's their function at the moment. Before we get into Brave New World, where no one will even need policemen around, we'll police ourselves. In fact, the UN have whole articles about self-policing of the future. This is the, how they hope to bring us through once they've altered us genetically so much and gone into genetic enhancement, which really means removing certain genes from sperm and ovum to create the perfect uh, obedient slave. Uh, we'll be self-policing. We'll, we'll, we won't do anything outside our conditioning. So this is the brave new world we're supposed to all go through. And of course, it's higher than governments. Governments, as I say, really are owned by the big foundations uh, and the big bankers. Uh, governments have been owned by them for an awful long time. Uh, the U.S. history is awfully good about that because they show you that anybody who ever went against the central banking system and the Federal Reserve was generally assassinated, or at least attempted assassinations in one case. Others were definitely assassinated and... Uh, no one's going to touch this system because, you see, it wasn't just one bank in one country taking over. It was done in unison with all the, these same banks across the Western world at the same time. They all work identically to each other. 
That means there's a big organization, obviously, a global organization uh, that existed for an awful long time, at least for a couple of hundred years, to make it all so. And to put out an agenda to make a standardized system across the world. They've been awfully successful, of course. And these same guys also run foundations and tax-free foundations and call themselves philanthropists. Interestingly, even Weishaupt said that they would take over the world as a parallel system using philanthropy and what became known as foundations, running these groups, these pressure groups, which are called non-governmental organizations today. So he knew that scheme, and others, of course, across different institutions and Masonic organizations also knew the same scheme was on. And as I say, they've been awfully, awfully successful. A world to be run by those that are better, you see, better equipped to deal with the decisions. It's interesting, too, that even some of the U.S. founding fathers, because so many of them were Freemasons, went by the same credo as many of the other writers, like Manly P. Hall, who said that... that um, that most of mankind could not rule themselves and therefore they had to be ruled by the invisible ones, meaning the the masters, the guys who had the big buckaroos at the top and ran everything. He said eventually they'll have more freedom when they're, they're able to handle themselves individually, but until then they'd have to be run by a secret rule. Now the same thing you'll find in the Royal Institute of International Affairs and you'll find it in Carol Quigley's book, uh, uh, tragedy and Hope, and his other one, The Anglo-American Establishment, because the technique of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, under the guise of the British Empire, was to take over countries, uh, change them, indoctrinate one set of children to grow up into this new system, uh, a kind of British copy, you might say, and once it's all up and running in the same fashion, with, this, with again, with the central bank, they're in league with the British bank, then then they would draw out. That was all done under the League of Nations, then the United Nations. No withdrawal from a country until they were identical and they could be left alone. The untrusted then, you see. But we're still not running ourselves. We are not running ourselves at all. We call it democracies and so on. Different names for different things. Uh, but really, it's all the same con game that's going on. Uh, we are not allowed to run ourselves. You'll find Rockefeller himself at a speech. He said that uh, when he was thanking the press for keeping their meetings so secretive for 40 years from the public. And he said that um, it's far better uh, that bankers and intelligentsia, he said, uh, run the countries of the world rather than leaving it to individual nations to to do it themselves. So it's far better that they did it. Because obviously they're far superior and they know what they're doing. Now they'll profit off wars and all the rest of it, but uh, wars to them is simply another advantage they take, take over uh, and utilize towards the same agenda. Every so-called tragedy is used as a, an opportunity, as they say, and therefore they create the tragedies and profit from them. Turn around and say to the public, my goodness, look at the massacres that happened in that war. We don't want that again. You've got to give up more rights under a global society with experts ruling you. Well, that's all happened, folks. But more, worse than that, they came out with total war. Now, total war, the concept of total war uh, was first taught in Sandhurst in England to British officers in the 19, early 1930s. 
Interestingly enough, too, the man who became one of the top generals for Adolf Hitler also attended and listened in, and he was a participant in this aspect of total war. That meant that any country that was targeted uh, had all of its citizenry targeted too. No differentiation between fighting troops and the citizens. That's why in World War II, uh, Britain uh, bombed uh, thousands and thousands of workers' homes uh, because they were all legitimate targets. If they were all dead, then the factories wouldn't run, and then the, the war machine would grind down to a halt. That was the whole idea behind that, at least part of the idea. Another part, too, that came out many, many years later was that uh, during World War II, uh, the U.S. and Britain, but mainly the U.S., had uh, a, a design all set up for post-World War II Germany including the big shopping malls and so on, and they even had uh, the shares sold to the companies that would take them over once they were, they were up and paid for by lend-lease, being the taxpayers paid for it all. But they hand it over to the little boys, who then uh, run it privately. They did the same thing with Japan uh, during World War II. You find that the right-hand man of uh, FDR uh, set up plans to rebuild Tokyo, and they firebombed Tokyo to, to wipe out the old houses. Uh, they were mainly sort of bamboo and, and paper to an extent, but they're old traditional houses. But they wiped them all out, and they had plans to turn in uh, uh, Japan, or Tokyo especially, into a new modern capital city. Uh, they also had plans to make sure that the, the central bank would be run through the government itself, and that, that would get business started off quickly in Japan. And they also had decided then, too, they would make it the electronics leader of the world. Germany would go back to industry, although East Germany certainly would allow all its factories to be uprooted and taken off bodily off to the Soviet Union, where they reassembled them and kept making things right up to the present day from them. Same stuff, never improved them. As for the countries that were victorious, mainly people like Britain, uh, nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It used to be amazing during the 60s and 70s when uh, they give out the statistics for who was running the economy and who was top and so on. Britain was always at the bottom and Germany was always way above them as, as manufacturing and churning out goods, etc. for prosperity. And Japan was way up there too. But of course, uh, nobody knew in Britain at that time that that was the way it was intended to go because they planned to take down the victors because, you see, there's another group running the whole war industry, and they have no nationality. They, they use one country after another, and then they use guys like Hopkins to redesign Japan and all the rest of it. That's that's a, a, a brief rundown on a little, little, very little bit of it. And we know, too, that Yalta, FDR, and uh, Stalin, Churchill, and others met together to divvy up post-World War II uh, Europe, and give so many of the countries over to the communists, condemning millions of people to death. That's the sort of things they do. Now, who do they work for? Who do they work for? They're obviously in on something. How could you possibly go to war to save a country like Poland, for instance? That's how they used it initially to start it off. And then hand it over to the Soviets, who were supposedly the arch-enemy of democracy and capitalism. doesn't make sense, does it? 
it doesn't even make sense that, that uh, the Royal Institute of International Affairs at their annual meeting in 1938 in Australia uh, said they'd have to save Russia by all means possible. Why would you try to save the very country who had sworn to cause revolutions across the whole of Europe and completely destroy their systems of government and their way of life? Why would they do that, folks? Well, it didn't really matter anyway, because you see, it was a big con game to start with. The, the Cold War would never, was never going to go, go anywhere, in reality, at the higher levels, that is. And they planned to unite the Soviet system and America and Britain and the other countries 70 or 80 years down the road. Lenin said it himself. Not quite capitalist, not quite communist. That's where we come out of it. That's where we are today. Back with more after these messages. Folks, I am back and we're cutting through the matrix, just talking about a little bit of history, but it's to show you that the facts of what's happening in your time will never be disclosed to the public till about 70 or 80 years down the road. That's how it's always been. It's so amazing, too, that uh, under so-called freedom and, and democracy, you can apply to get certain information from governments uh, thinking there's a Freedom of Information Act. That's what Pierre Trudeau put in, in Canada. And you go and try to use it. And what he did actually was uh, take away the freedoms that you already had to go and find out what happened in the past. <laughs> I mean, but it sounded the opposite, of course. And that's what they're very good at. And most folk don't use the services that are out there. It's when you try and use them, you find out it's the opposite of what it means. Interesting, too, that Pierre Trudeau, uh, just before he left, uh, signed a document to be reclassified for another 50 years to do with uh, Gozenko, who was the first uh, Soviet spy ever to defect to the West, and he did it in Canada. Uh, it was amazing, too, because um, it was Mackenzie it was in as the Prime Minister at the time. Mackenzie was terrified, because at that time we were pals, supposedly, with Russia, and... Um, he told the RCMP to let him leave him out in the cold and hope that the the, 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 the Russians would pick him up here and whisk him back home. But luckily, Kazenko managed to to uh, evade the cops and eventually he stayed. But he was told never to reveal to the public what he actually had given them, except he gave them dozens and dozens of page, pages of all the spies that were in Canada most of them were in the bureaucracies of the federal government. That's no kidding. Yeah. And, as I say, Pierre Trudeau, years later, when it came up to, to, for, to be um, released to the public, he reclassified it for another 50, 60 years. You know something stinks when they do something like that. It's the same in Britain with Kelly, who was murdered, of course, before he testified about what he knew about the con to go into war uh, on Britain's behalf. Uh, when, when Blair was there, he, Blair was the only one-man band preaching war, and uh, Kelly knew too much, of course, and he was a very um, respectable person. Uh, they simply killed him, and now the coroner's report has been put under wraps for another, I think it's 70 years or 100 years or something like that. 
That's what governments do, you see. We're not supposed to ever really know the real reasons for anything during our lifetime. And it's the same with uh, the wars going on in Afghanistan. Uh, all the basic PR nonsense um, is good enough for the majority of the public because they don't think too deeply. And people will never know for about 100 years all of the real reasons that that was all taking place. We need to see signs of it now if we're thinking at all. We know there's pipelines to get put into different countries, including Israel, going across all that land. Uh, but um, they'll never mention that in the newspapers at the moment. Now, while all, all this is going on and the public have been dumbed down, inoculated, um, lobotomized, biophysically changed through chemicals and injections and all the rest of it, uh, and the GMO food, of course, um, which is all deliberate. They knew before they gave it what they wanted to happen to the public. And I, I've mentioned the quotes before from many of the big players who talked about dumbing them down, the reasons why you'd have to dumb them down, all the rest of it, uh, for world peace, as they say. World peace means no opposition to what they're up to. But the British people are a good example of, to the rest of the world um, as to how far it can go. They're way beyond most countries at the moment because they really have had a, an incredible war on the minds of the people and on their bodies as well for an awful long time. They're the most surveyed people on the planet. And their culture is completely destroyed by design now, by mass immigration. And the and part of the reason for mass immigration is in the RAND reports, if you go into them. The RAND, this great private, uh, not-for-profit organization, it calls itself, although it gives its managers, you know, a million or dollars per salary and stuff like that, who works for the big boys. Um, the RAND Corporation has, has got an article I'll read later on where um, the population of Europe is plummeting, and that's the reason they must bring in all these diverse immigrants, supposedly. But Britain's also got all these cameras everywhere, incredible, incredible cameras. So this article says, Big Brother facial recognition cameras being rolled out in NCP car parks as 6th of August, Mail Online. Um, this is not the most watched people on earth. Each UK citizen is caught on camera an average of 3,000 times a week. 3,000 times a week. And it's about to get worse. New facial recognition cameras are now being trialed in car parks in a bid to identify potential car thieves. <laughs> NCP is testing the controversial Big Brother cameras in a number of Manchester car parks. So footage of people entering the company's car parks will be automatically scanned by the computer. Their faces will be checked automatically to see, to see if they will match pictures of known or suspected car thieves held on the company's own database. But you know what, this is all BS, you know, they don't, they don't care about this. Uh, NCP says the system will allow staff to protect vehicles, and I won't read that nonsense either, I'll just carry on here. But if it works, it says, it's to go nationwide. That's just what they always do in Britain. They trial something out somewhere, then it goes nationwide within about a week or two. And uh, can you imagine being watched everywhere you go? Because that literally is the, 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 the end game. And I've read articles too recently. Um, that eventually governments will be able to piece together the whole history of a person from birth to death using visual uh, aids, meaning all their photographs of you and many other techniques. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. I keep getting cut off at the 8.30. It's just the weirdest thing. Anyway, I was talking about how we don't find out what's really going on for about 50 years down the road, 70 years. Depends how long they classify something as top secret. And uh, the same thing happened, by the way, with the, the full uh, free trade negotiations deal. There was thousands of pages uh, put into uh, an archive underground, actually, 30 mile outside Ottawa, not to be opened until about 2050 or something. We're not supposed to know what's to, what the whole agenda is to be there, you see. Uh, that's what that's what democracy is all about. From the same government in Canada, they made secret deals with Monsanto, which they had to admit to later in nationally on national news. They admitted they made these secret deals to test the Canadian public out as guinea pigs with all the modified uh, foods. We were not told for 10 years, and we would not have been told if it hadn't leaked out from Britain. That's how, how it happened. So they could, with the National Health Service, follow our health, plummeting, of course, as it was expected to do. Uh, that means that the, the, the warfare technique is working uh, through our National Health Service. Easy track folk then you know, over the, their, their lifetimes. But uh, that's what's going on, as I say. And um, now he's in that article too. Pathological internet use among teens may lead to depression. Well, no wonder. No wonder. I get depressed trying to get, just get the programs to work half the time. And, and keep updating them as they constantly update them. You know, too, that all your spyware there is meant to literally help rob all the stuff off your off your files and send it back to the NSA. That's why they give you all that stuff free. And even the ones you pay for, it's the same thing. You know, we live in a, a Disneyland, a complete Disneyland, and we're kept like people in a Disney movie. We, we truly are. We really, really are. Now... I've talked before about how policemen are becoming, just like the military, they're being militarized, they've been brought up, a whole generation's been brought up watching the tough guys, the steroid guys, smash things up and and smash houses down as they chase the suspects and so on, and they want to be part of the winning group, because all you see in society at the bottom level is winners and losers, and you don't want to be a loser, so you join the winners, and you take your steroids and you've been dumbed down along with the rest of the population. You've had your lobotomies, and they can't think very clearly, and they're not very smart. In fact, they've actually had tests out, to show, results of tests showing you they don't want police officers with uh, over a certain IQ level. They want them low. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so anyway, these guys are getting more and more aggressive because they get their steroids and all the rest of it in amongst a population that literally are becoming sterile and men effeminate. Uh, these guys are putting on the beef. It's a funny, strange kind of way they put the, the beef all over them. More, a lot of fat too, mind you. And uh, they're get very aggressive. Very, very aggressive. This article here shows you what's happening. Mail online police officers smash an old age pensioner's driver's window and dragged him out of the car after he was stopped for not wearing a seatbelt. That's a bit of an overreaction, wouldn't you say, eh? But they see this all in Hollywood movies and they copy it. That, that tells you their mentality. Uh, and their, their age mentality. 
So this is the 5th of August, 2010. Two policemen were suspended. That means nothing. They'll get back in a wee while. After a disabled pensioner claimed he was left terrified by officers who smashed his car window after catching him driving without a seatbelt. Now, this guy's had already had a stroke. When stroke victim Robert Watley, 70 years old, was pulled over in his Range Rover, he expected a brief discussion with the officers. But he claims he was forced to cover his face and was showered with glass as one officer jumped onto the bonnet and kicked his windshield, while another repeatedly attacked the window with a baton. The ensuing action was caught and filmed by a police camera placed in the patrol's car's dashboard. And you see the video on this actual uh, website that I'll put up. Remember all these talks I uh, do and, and articles I read, I put links up at the end of the site at Cutting Through the Matrix. End of the show, I should say. The police video released by Mr. Watley's solicitor shows an officer taking a run up with a telescope asp baton. They call us those telescopic ones, really nasty things. Also apparently catches the officers hitting the side window 15 times before it smashes and shows a policeman climbing onto the bonnet before Mr. Watley is dragged out of his car. Retired businessman Mr. Watley said, I couldn't believe what was happening. Well, who would, eh? The police went completely over the top. You would have thought I had robbed a bank. I was terrified when they started smashing the window and trying to kick in the windshield. I tried to shield myself, but I was showered with glass, which could easily have gone into my eyes. It's something you might expect in America. That's what he thought, you know, because you've seen a lot of stuff in America, but not in the quiet of the British countryside. Well, now you have. It's happening all over, actually. I've seen a lot more than that. They even put a series called Cops on to show you these guys, these predators, just dying to get at the, the, the public and <laughs> smash them up. The elderly man who was a heart condition was initially pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt as he drove through the country, county lanes of South Wales. Officers tried to issue him with a fixed penalty notice, but they said Mr. Watley drove off. Well, he drove off because he thought they were finished with him. The two Gwent police officers followed him along eight miles of country lanes for 17 minutes before trying to stop the £60,000-pound Range Rover with a Stinger device. I'm not sure what the Stinger device is. But Mr. Watley pulled over again and waited for them to approach. And that's when they smashed his car up. And then, of course, they charge him with not wearing a seatbelt and, and, and leaving the, the scene, etc., but not taking the ticket. Not. They have to charge you with something after they've smashed up your vehicle, you see. That's standard procedure. They're all, they're all told to do that. Lots of folk, by the way, are allowed not to use a seatbelt if they have heart conditions and so on and have had any, any operations over the heart or anything like that because it could actually kill them if they came a dead stop with the seatbelt in the wrong place. But that's kind of world we're living in now, and we've been trained by articles like this to, to get used to it, and to also be more and more terrified of the cops, who are not policemen at all. They're, they're absolutely they're just primitive predators who uh, are given badges, and they belong to a brotherhood now. You know, the winning brotherhood, the one with the same uniform, and they cover each other's asses very well. It's been so well disclosed over many years how they get together and write up their books together. And these guys have been uh, suspended for a little while, but they'll be back on the job in no time, probably with guns next time so they can machine gun cars and do stuff like that, you know. Maybe they've got the right stuff. Maybe that's the kind of cops they want. It probably is, actually. Now, the Internet, too, you know, we talked about technology is changing society. 
and technology is, uh, they've had world meetings about it from uh, top scientific circles that really are part of government. They tell governments what to do and how society has got to interface with technology and it's called progress and it's part of the agenda and we've got to change with it whether we like it or not. You see, against Darwinian. But there's an article here on newsincanada.com and it says that um, this is about what gets put up on you on the internet. Uh, internet puts a score on your reputation. Skeletons in the online closet come out thanks to corporate scrutiny. And this is from Post Media News initially. It was published August the 5th. Most people have, have uh, learned some the hard way that the internet's memory makes elephants look forgettable by comparison with the skeletons in our online closets having bones so sharp as to impale careers, marriages, and certainly reputations. Almost overnight, these challenges have given rise to an entire cottage industry of businesses that manage people's internet images for them. There are even cyber scholars that foresee a time not far from now in which reputation brokers will aggregate our activities into an annual score that gauges our value as employees, friends, and life partners. That will all become part of it, too. So it's just like credit reports, and it says that. It says, think credit reports, but for morals instead of money. It says, um, the Internet makes everyone a public figure, says Michael Fertig, CEO of the online image management firm Reputation, defender of which an estimated 97% of clients are ordinary citizens. Even if you don't put a lot of stuff up on your on an online, someone else is doing it for you. So you either do something about it or learn to live with it. Uh, Fairtick's customers pay his company anywhere from $4 per month to $1,000 per year to help manage personal Google search results, remove their names from corporate databases, perform online damage control, and closely monitor their internet footprints. It's interesting, too, I read a while back that uh, for very important people, VIPs and politicians, there's a government agency that does that for them. It scours the stuff all over to, to, to eradicate any any sign of them uh, across the Internet, uh, across the world, in fact. And um, so it costs them nothing. But for us, poor saps, we've got to pay for it, you see. It says, because someone somewhere will be following that same electronic trail and deciding where they want to use these people as co-workers, students, or even Saturday night dates. A recent survey by Microsoft, for instance, finds fully three-quarters of American recruiters and human resources professionals perform online searches into the activities of potential employees. And the schmucks put it all up there anyway, don't they? They put up all their all their Facebooks and all their likes and dislikes and their chit-chat. And, and, well, naturally, employers are going to go into it and see what kind of person you are. Another article put up too is the corn. I've talked about corn for so long, uh, you get sick of it. But uh, it's all modified. And regardless of its modification, they also use byproducts of the corn. They use nothing goes to waste, and they use this fructose, by, uh, corn fructose syrup, basically. And it's in everything. It's in ev- candies. It's in everything. It's even in pills, for God's sake. Uh, so corn byproduct fructose literally fuels cancer cell growth study finds. Well, they knew that from the beginning before they gave it to the public. A pancreatic tumor uh, use cells, PM cells, use fructose to divide and proliferate. Uh, U.S. corn bush corn byproduct fructose literally, literally fuels cancer cell growth, the study finds. 
research yourself on Monday in a study that challenges the common wisdom that all sugars are the same. And that's what they try to tell people. If you study diabetes, you get into all the different kinds of sugars and how they all don't, don't act the same at all. Tumor cells fed both glucose and fructose use the two sugars in two different ways, the team at the University of California, Los Angeles, found. They said their findings published in the journal Cancer Research may help explain other studies that have linked fructose intake with pancreatic cancer, one of the deadliest cancer types, which really is skyrocketing. These findings show that cancer cells can readily metabolize fructose to increase proliferation, Dr. Anthony Heaney, UCLA's Johnson Cancer Center and colleagues wrote. They have major significance for cancer patients given dietary refined fructose consumption and indicate that efforts to reduce refined fructose intake or inhibit fructose-mediated actions may disrupt cancer uh, growth. So... Americans take in large amounts of the fructose, mainly in high fructose corn syrup, a mix of fructose and glucose that is used in soft drinks, bread, and a range of other foods. It's a massive range of other foods, actually. I say they even put it in pills and, and, and bottles of medication liquids, too. Politicians, regulators, health experts, and the industry have debated whether high fructose corn syrup and other ingredients have been helping make Americans fatter and less healthy. While absolutely it has been because it attacks the pancreas, folks. The pancreas is essential to deal with your sugars by producing insulin. They know all this stuff. You see, it's just uh, another form of warfare, that's all. And it kills a lot of people off too. And that's what they want us to do too, is, is more and more of us die off. For sustainability, you understand, it's for a good cause. And as things become more and more totalitarian, uh, there, are con- there are cities across the country and the world too that are called ideal UN uh, biospheres or cities, model type cities, ideal model cities for the UN. And Portland, Oregon is one of them. It's been that way for years now. It's goody two-shoes. Anyway, Portland's lemonade stand runs into health inspectors because it needs a $120 license to operate. It says, um, uh, It's hardly unusual to hear small business owners gripe about licensing requirements or complain that heavy-handed regulations are driving them into the red. So when uh, Multonma County shut down an enterprise last week for operating without a license, you might just sigh and say, there go, there go again. Except this entrepreneur was a seven-year-old named Julie Murphy. Her business was a lemonade stand at the last Thursday monthly art fair in northeast Portland. The government regulation she violated, failing to get a $120 temporary restaurant license. A restaurant license to sell lemonade. Turns out that children's lemonade stands, those uh, constants of summertime are supposed to get a permit in Oregon, particularly at big events that happen to be patrolled regularly by county health inspectors. <laughs> I understand the reason behind what they're doing, and it's a neighborhood event, and they're trying to generate revenue, said John Kavaguchi, environmental, environmental health supervisor for the Multnomah County Health Department, but we still need to put the public's health first. Utter rubbish. You know, something, it's, it's either going to take all your rights away for your safety or, or make you pay through the nose uh, for them to make it kosher by creating a spell over the same lemonade and saying, okay, you know, you pay the money and it's now legal, right? 
Do you pay the money and it's now legal? You don't pay the money, it's illegal. It's all about money, isn't it? Obviously. It's like permits for anything. It simply means that you, you're now allowed to do something that's otherwise illegal once you pay cash. That's it. Anyway, Julie had been enamored of the idea of having a stand after watching an episode of Cartoon Pig. Olivia, running one, said her mother, Maria Fife, the two live in Oregon City, but Fife knew her daughter would get few customers if she set up her stand at home. Plus, Fife had just attended last Thursday along Portland's Northeast Alberta Street for the first time and loved the friendly feel and diversity of the grassroots event. She put the two things together and promised to take her daughter in July. The girl worked on a sign, colouring in the letters and decorating it with a drawing of a person saying, Yummy, she made a list of supplies. Then the gallons of bottled water and packets of Kool-Aid, they drove up last Thursday with a friend and daughter. They loaded a wheelbarrow that Julie steered to the corner of Northeast 26 in Alberta and sailed into a space between a painter and a couple who sold handmade bags and children's clothing. Even before her daughter had finished making her first batch of lemonade, a man walked up to buy a 50-cent cup. They wanted to support a little seven-year-old girl to earn a little extra summer money, she said. People know what's going on. So there you go. There's the, there's the feds in with that too. And, and you spies everywhere, you know. Spies everywhere. You know, we've got spies now that they're anti-smoking spies. You get paid by the government to do it. Who sit in cars to see who's smoking in the streets and who going too close to a store that says no smoking within 15 feet and stuff like that. They've got children in Britain spying, getting sent into stores to buy cutlery from the store's owners. And if the child is a year, a few months under a certain age, the person's then fined. The cops send them in for selling cutlery with knives. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're Cutting Through the Matrix. You know, I've, I've said for years too that um, once you create a welfare system, you can make that welfare system explode any time you want. It's very handy for governments at the right time. And they do have them explode once in a while. And um, they can set up a tinderbox and, and just wait for years. And when it's time to explode it, they will. And there's no doubt about it. They want riots to start down the road with the U.S. The, the U.S. is just experiencing the higher costs come in with food and so on. They haven't really fit, felt the, the full brunt of anything yet at all. For the trillions and trillions they supposedly owe, oh, I would just write it off myself. And... Uh, Start all over again and don't borrow from anybody. That's the only way you can do it. However, that's not the way it is. And there's an article here about the Senate cutting food stamp funds. It says leaves oil and gas subsidies intact. And this is from August the 2nd. America's poor rarely catch a break these days. The Senate is expected to vote today for a bill that will cut food stamp benefits by $6.1 billion to help fund Medicaid and teachers' jobs. Reasoning they were too high now that food costs are lower than predicted. I, mean, I read an article yesterday, the day before, where food, food's gone up at least 40%. Some places 50%, like Canada. Proponents uh, essentially argue that the poor people had too much money for food. 
As the Washington Post's Ezra Klein explains, last year's Federal Recovery Act increased the amount of money for food stamps or the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program to about $80 more per household each month. Amid the recession and high unemployment, about 6 million more people registered for the program in the past year alone, so program costs boomed from $20 billion to $65 billion. Meanwhile, food prices have deflated from last year's high rate. That's nonsense, utter lies. It's way up. There's too many articles actually showing that. Now people are able to get more bang for their buck, really. Hence the Senate's idea to cut payments. It's frustrating not only because America's poor working and the middle class are suffering at record levels and could use this tiny leg up, but also because it's a really stupid cut for the overall economic picture. According to Klein, food stamps serve as one of the best forms of stimulus money to the tune of $1.70 of activity for every dollar spent. In other words, our economy desperately needs this. Well, look at the, the many folk have lost their jobs and their homes. <laughs> Here they're cutting back on. Mind you, um, uh, Obama's wife needs her holidays, her seventh holiday this year, apparently, and it's costing a fair little bit. As I said, I've said the other day, too, she's outdone the Queen of England. You know, Maybe she is the new Queen of England uh, or the world. I don't know. It depends how you want to look at it. So that's that getting cut back as well as uh, things will help to, to raise up tensions as things get worse and worse. And they'll know exactly the date everything will spark off, and I'm sure they'll already be ready for it as well. It's uh, it's quite something that's going on. And again, I'll just finish off with uh, Miss Obama, Miss, or Ms. Maybe, I don't know what she calls it, Ms. Obama or what. But she uh, it's Mail Online. It's another follow-up to her holiday again. Uh, or 150,000 pound, it says here, as, as $300,000, I guess, Spanish holiday bill footed by the U.S. taxpayer. Well, that's where, your ta- that's where your, uh, the money that's saving off the food stamps is going, so she can take all her pals abroad and visit royalty and stuff like that. You know, being just ordinary people and all, uh, they just have to uh, see all that kind of stuff and live like, Kings and queens have always lived down through the edges. Hmm. Change is good, eh? <laughs> well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.